2: We're reviewing week eight. Looking forward to week nine and helping you to manage your fantasy teams on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? Welcome on into RotoViz Radio. It is week nine already, which is unbelievable. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at RotoViz. This is RotoViz Radio brought to you by my bookie. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the action network. And I think one of the burning questions right now is how upset were Todd Gurley owners yesterday uh, as the game was drawing to a close for the Rams? Todd Gurley staring down the end zone decides to just take the knee to close out the game for the Rams. Uh, Matt, how upset should people be? Should people be
3: about this, and is it justified? Uh, I don't think people should be too upset by it. Um, you know, he's playing the game; it's it's the smart move, uh, even if that touchdown cost fantasy players or betters in the short term. Uh in the long term, like it, it's the smart move, even I think it's even like plus EV from like a fantasy embedding perspective, because it means that uh he's a smart player who is in a system uh overseen by a smart coach. And in the end, like that ends up uh, being a net positive like that will result in more fantasy points uh, compared to someone else who scores the touchdown in that situation, but isn't in as good of an offense. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I understand that like it is temporarily tilting, but like it's funny. So I actually had the other side of it. I was betting the yep. under on his uh, fantasy prop. So I was like, I mean, he, he, he went over anyway, so it ended up not mattering, but I thought it would actually be kind of funny if I ended up winning because he didn't take the touchdown, but, uh, no, he, he screwed me and he screwed people who, who have him. So, uh, he was, you know, just screwing everybody all the way around. (laughs)
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you have to look at it this way. If you're a girly owner, you've gotten so much production from him. And at that point, you know everything really just would have been a tremendous bonus. I think you just need to shake that one off and move on. Now, another thing I did want to to mention here, it was brought to my attention that our intro music is now being featured in a commercial for the NFL Pro Shop. I don't know if you were aware of this, Matt.
3: I'm not aware of it. Um... I hope they don't send us some sort of letter saying that we need to stop using this intro music. Where did you pull it from? Actually, don't answer that.
2: (laughs) No, (laughs) I actually,
3: we legitimately have it. See, we didn't get an exclusive license, but we have
2: an all use license. So we can use it for our show as often as we want, uh, unless anything changes. So it was just very interesting. I think, you know, Perhaps, what does that say about me as a uh, producer here to p- pick out music that the NFL Pro Shop felt fit their product enough, and it's also matching to our show? I mean, I think that speaks volumes.
3: Yeah, you're clearly a connoisseur of taste. Um, you're you're a market maker of all things that are fashionable. And uh, who knows? There there might be people you know, like uh, lower higher ups at the NFL who actually listen to the show that they don't, but there might be. But I mean, there I mean, are, but you never know.
2: Yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind for me. So, I mean, I clearly think that I am a trendsetter. There's people out there that like what we're doing and they trust the uh Dave Cabin taste. So, with that behind us, it is time for the Little Lebowski Urban Overachievers of the Week.
4: They're the Little Lebowski Urban Achievers.
2: All right. Uh, let's start off with David Moore. Four targets, four recs, ninety seven yards, a touchdown, and twenty points. Uh, I personally do not expect this to continue, uh, week in and week out. Do you see any promise for more?
3: You shut your face. This is definitely continuing. Um, (laughs) no, I mean, I I don't think it's going to continue like this, but, uh, I, I feel like very vindicated. Do you remember it was maybe like three or four weeks ago for, uh, one of the, um, like the Matt's number one waiver wire pickup. It was almost like a throwaway, but it was like in deeper down David Moore, um, but yeah, like I, I have him in dynasty in every dynasty league I'm in. I have him um, because I actually think that he does have long term potential. So whether or not this is like we we shouldn't expect like a 97 yard, you know, one touchdown, you know, perfect completion rate type of game from him every uh, every week. But uh, he's increasingly seen more snaps each week. Um, Brandon Marshall, I don't believe, played a snap last week. Like David Moore is like concretely now their number three receiver. And out of the three guys, he's actually like the biggest bodied of them. So like they are looking for him when they get near the end zone. um, And he was very productive in college. Uh, he played at a small school like uh, East Central Oklahoma, which and actually it's not even like East Central Oklahoma. It's East Central in Oklahoma. Like it's, it's so small that they don't even like bother to put the name of the state in the school. Um, but anyway, so like he played at like a small level in college football, but he dominated there. Uh, and he has like the athletic profile. He's like a big bodied guy who has a good, uh, 40 time. Like, I I think he's sort of like the next legitimate, like late round guy who ends up becoming a a dominant player in the NFL. All
2: right. Well, I mean, I actually didn't remember you saying that name or I-, I guess I wasn't paying attention when you said it, so perhaps it was like, I should have invested it was one of those
3: it. yeah, it was one of those instances where it's like, Hey Matt, tell us the one guy you like and I name like five players and he was like the la- the last one. <laughs> so it's easy it's easy not to remember it. But like, I'm, I'm hyper focused on David Moore just because he's been one of the guys that, um, like for dynasty leagues and just kind of like for long term projections, like I've been very excited about. He has, he has four touchdowns over the last four weeks. Like that's not entirely a fluke.
2: Yeah. I mean, that. Is- that is pretty good so i mean i think that you've made a strong case for more now i will say though the one thing that perhaps could take away from being that big bodied guy is the return of ed dixon who i believe did get into the end zone yesterday and had a great game
3: yeah Uh, but oh go ahead no i was gonna say yeah you're you're totally right that that is something that could take away from his usage
2: yeah but i I still think it, it you know It's a name to keep in mind, uh, especially with some of the struggles that we've seen with Doug Baldwin getting back into the swing of things. Tyler Lockett was a little bit better early on in the season, and it does look like the Seahawks offense is starting to trend up. Uh, We're going to talk about them a little bit more, though, uh, coming up. Another more, DJ Moore. Six targets, five wrecks, 90 yards and added 39 yards on two rushes. Although I do believe that one of the plays that he had actually kind of came on like a broken play. I forget the specifics of it, but nonetheless, I think this was a very encouraging game for the rookie.
3: Yeah. Uh, do you remember like a month or two ago when I was like, DJ Moore or Calvin Ridley? Like, which one would you like? Which one should we have taken? But like, DJ, this is like what we want to see out of a rookie, especially like a 21 year old guy who has great athleticism, had great college production, um, was a multifaceted weapon in college. Like you want to see him starting to be used in a featured role, uh, in the second half of his rookie season. So this is like right on target. Uh, it's like a, a blessing probably like not just for him, but for the team, uh, that Torrey Smith wasn't able to play because that means they had to give more snaps to more. And at this point he is just more talented in his career than Torrey Smith is. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to be able to see this type of production every week, but I think he, um, I think pretty quickly he will become the number one receiver in that offense, uh, versus Devin Funches. Like, I think he's just the more talented player.
2: Absolutely. And I think the thing that was nice about the performance like this was that we got to confirm that some of those athletic traits that we saw in him coming out of school are going to translate for him. Uh, now, granted, you know, this is one performance, but there's a lot of encouraging signs of what we thought about him is manifesting in the NFL. And I do agree with you that I think that he should soon be the number one option in that offense uh i think he's the better overall receiver compared to devin Funches. has a much more complete uh game so we will have to see but very encouraging now a tight end uh jordan thomas of the houston texans four targets four wrecks Two touchdowns yesterday granted only 29 yards uh in a pretty perform or actually it wasn't yesterday this was the thursday nighter, correct uh, but yeah. nonetheless a solid performance for thomas do you see in this offense uh with will fuller very disappointingly i feel very bad for him uh tearing his acl out for the season now does that open up a role for a player like thomas in houston
3: Maybe um, I mean this is like the Michael Roberts special, like you know, like two weeks ago, Roberts came out of nowhere and had a, a two touchdown game. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's basically impossible to say if something like this, if so, I think this will be the best game that Thomas has all season. Um, he it was a sixth round rookie, you know, like enter, entering this game, uh, who you know was ostensibly a starter, but getting very few targets. And he still had only four targets. Like you know, That's the highest he's yep. had for this season. Um, I don't know. He's not someone I would look to add on waivers.
2: Yeah, I- I'm with you uh, in that regard as well. I think that it's very possible this is the best fantasy performance you could ever see from a guy like Jordan Thomas, so you have to be careful to read too much into it. Uh, could he have another game or two? Certainly, but I don't think he's the type of guy that you're going to feel good about putting in your lineup. Granted, a lot of these tight ends in that range, you're not going to, but there's likely a move that would be better overall for your team, uh, unless, of course, you're very stacked and just want to stash him. Uh, so that is how I would view Thomas making our way along. George Costanza, Slackers of the Week.
1: Listen, let me ask a question. Could you uh, expand the space underneath the desk? You know, give it a little more uh, headroom?
2: Kenny Galladay, one target, one wreck, 12 yards. Yesterday, this gets into that interesting Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay split that we've talked about in the past. Jones, two touchdowns, 10 targets. Uh I guess... There is some reports coming out today that it looks like the Lions could be trying to drum up interest in Golden Tate. Uh, so that's probably going to factor into our conversation here. I don't think I would panic on Galladay. Um, and if Tate does move, then I think you're fine. But nonetheless, it does create kind of an interesting situation for Galladay owners.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's been a, a boomer bust guy uh, his his entire career. I mean, one thing in this, I mean, you don't see this on the stat sheet, but... Um, before this Seattle game, he had a touchdown that was called back because like of an offensive line hands to the face penalty, uh, in-, in week seven, in week five. Uh, so they were on bye in week six. So the game before that, uh, in week five, he had another touchdown called back because like of again, like another sort of like ticky tack offensive line penalty. So like he's. If you had factored those in, you would just look at this one game as like a, a unfortunate blip on the radar, uh, next to these other fantastic outings. Um, I'm not, I'm not worrying about him. I'm not looking to trade him. Uh, I think if you have him, you start him if, if, if you're in a position where you want someone who has a lot of volatility. Um, I think it's just sort of like business as usual. This is like a typical Kenny Galladay, uh, like bottom of the, the barrel, like bad week that you should expect every once in a while. Like it comes accompanied with great games too. He's just this type of player.
2: And I think that one of the things that would be tempting to do is because he's still a younger player. Let this cloud your perception of him, but even very good guys that could be consistently wide receiver 2 wide receiver type of, or wide receiver 3 type of guys will still have bad games. I mean, he opened with 18, 21, 17, 11, 20 fantasy points. He said two down weeks, but I don't think that you need to read too much into this uh as I think the odds are pretty high that he'll recover and get back to those performances that we've seen prior. T.Y. Hilton, one of five targets caught yesterday, only 34 yards. I think it's notable that Jack Doyle was back in the lineup. He put up 16 fantasy points, went six out of seven in a touchdown. Eric Ebron went three of three with a touchdown. Not to say that those two players will necessarily detract a whole lot of opportunity uh, from Hilton, but I do think their performances were notable as we did see the receiving game in some regards working for Indianapolis but Hilton struggled. Uh, Anthony Amico and I were talking on RotoViz Live on Sunday and he still feels very good about Hilton. I don't know where I am on Hilton. I don't think I'm quite as high as others. Where are you on Hilton right now?
3: Yeah, I still really like him. Um, I think he's going to be someone who has volatility. Uh, Unfortunate that he had only five targets. I think he had four the week before. Um, So that's a little bit uh I don't know concerning but like I think I think the target share is something that's going to increase so he's still the number one receiver for a, a very good quarterback and an offense that is humming right now so I I still totally want him
2: Yeah and to put things in perspective you're correct last week uh against Buffalo or I'll say week 7 at this point he went 4 on f- 4 wrecks, 4 targets uh only 25 yards but two touchdowns in a non kind of TY type of game there but nonetheless this is probably just a, a bit of a blip. To close things out uh for the slackers of the week, Isaiah Crowell, not helped by game script in this game, uh but with Bilal Powell not available, we saw the Jets turn to Trenton Cannon, uh who I think is actually a pretty talented rookie. He saw some snaps on receiving downs. Crowell finishes with just 4.8 points on 13 carries and one Target. I guess the question becomes for owners of Crowell that thought they were going to see an increase in his usage because of the absence of Powell. Uh, was this really just game script dependent, or is Crowell just always going to be one of those guys who it's really hard to predict week in and week out what you can expect from him?
3: Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it's maybe a little bit of both. Like he would have had a slightly better game if game script had uh, been favorable. But, uh, listen to these splits in games this year in which he scored a touchdown. And I'm, I'm looking at this through the road of his game splits app in yep. games this year in which he has a touchdown. He has 23.8 PPR points. Uh, in the games in which he hasn't scored a touchdown, he has 5.1 PPR points. Like, uh, he's just an incredibly, uh, score dependent player. Um, and it's, it's not like, um, like to add some more context to this. Uh, in the games in which he scored a touchdown, it's, uh, he has 13.7 rushes per game. In the games in which he hasn't scored, he has just 10. But like, that difference in touches isn't enough to take, uh, like to, to make up for the huge disparity, uh, in, uh, fantasy production, right? So it's basically what, what, uh, matters in all of this is does Crowell get a, get like, you know, three, uh, goal line opportunities in a game? Or does he uh, peel off, you know, like a 60 yard touchdown run or something like that? Like that is the difference. And that stuff is incredibly hard to predict wow those are some
2: of the more that are especially with the touchdown there that is one of the more interesting splits that i've heard of coming out of the game splits app where i spend a lot of time that is pretty crazy and it lines up with something that i've noticed in the weekly explorer uh for running backs we have game script graphs and crowell has one of the or the slope of his graph trends towards uh games in which the Jets win by large amounts more so, or it slopes upward in that direction more so than about any other running back. So he really does need a game in which he's going to have that touchdown scoring potential and they could be running the ball a lot uh so good stuff there matt reminder to everybody out there that you can get that 30 percent listener only discount to a rotoviz subscription rotoviz.com forward slash podcast and uh if you've been thinking about it please uh do us a solid support us on patreon a lot of work is going on behind the scenes a lot of work goes into these shows uh no exact exagger- duration a show like this could easily take an excess of five hours uh, and just putting everything together getting the audio right doing the outlines all of that and that's just our show and we have so many shows airing each week Uh, a little housekeeping note too so we're in the process of switching um, over I guess we'll just call it like servers if you will or I I don't know Matt how would you describe uh, the change that we're making on the platform that we're using
3: uh, a travesty. That's how I would describe it. <laughs> but okay. uh yeah, no, we're uh, yeah. So all of the, the feeds are being kind of consolidated, switched over into another feed that uh, enables us to put some ads into the shows more easily so we can make some money. Um, but that process is much more laborious than we anticipated it would be. Um, so yes. Uh, so Colm is doing a lot of work with that.
2: Yeah. So the long and the short of bringing that up there is if you're having any trouble with things coming through your feeds uh or whatnot. Uh, you know, we're definitely working on that and hoping to get that resolved. As I know depending on uh what player you use for your podcast, you might have had some some issues. Uh
4: so hopefully, you know, in the next week or two we can get that squared away. Love a good deal? Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from 1699. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Uh, with that
2: out of the way, which has been my phrase for the night, let's get into the crazy Joe Devola stats of the week.
4: And it's crazy Joe DeVola. This is from that kick crazy Joe DeVola. Yeah, oh, crazy Joe DeVola. <laughs> what Uh what crazy Joe, DeVola? Crazy, <laughs> Joe DeVola.
1: Oh
2: my God, it's crazy Joe DeVola. Let's talk about Adrian Peterson, who actually has been kind of killing it this season, Matt. So in 2015, through AP's first first 8 games he had 633 rushing yards 3 touchdowns uh 15 receptions for 107 yards no receiving touchdowns that's 105 fantasy points 2015 was the last like full Adrian Peterson season that we saw before 2018, where he is now a much older player, a lot more tread on those tires. We now has 587 rushing yards, four touchdowns, uh, nine receptions, a receiving touchdown and 151 yards translating to 109 points. I, uh, have to admit, I'm still very surprised at this performance, but with a guy like AP, should we have seen this coming, Matt?
3: No, I, I, don't, I don't think we, we should have. There was nothing that, uh, we've seen previously, like from 2006 and 2000, sorry, 2016 and 2017 yep. to make us believe that in 2018, he would have this type of potential. Um, I mean, I think a big part of it is just that in 2016, he got injured. So he missed most of the season. Uh, and then 2017, you know, maybe he was still recovering. Uh, he had some flash games last season, yep. um, you know, but he he played only 10 games. um, So it just like it, it wasn't a great situation for him. So, I mean, last we saw, there was nothing to make us believe that a 33 year old running back who had done nothing the two previous seasons would suddenly look like a, you know, top five, top 10 running back in the league. Um, but yeah, it's amazingly impressive. I mean, it's just sort of like, uh, a feather in the cap of a hall of fame career, you know, like, I don't know if it really, it, it doesn't change anything. I think like big picture for Adrian Peterson and, and what he's accomplished. But, um, I, I think it's just sort of like this, this cool sort of like postscript of like, after what he did in Minnesota, um in in like a, an age of football where uh teams were increasingly passing the ball one season like for one final season he was able to look like his old self uh just taking over games uh controlling the ball on offense and you know potentially leading a team to the playoffs like that would be cool for him it's been incredible and the
2: oddest part of this to me is Granted, you know, we, we talk about film watching and how it's tough to really put context into things and to judge different attributes. But when I'm watching AP, especially on that long run that he broke away for a touchdown yesterday, he just doesn't look like the player he did, uh, back in his heyday. But it's just amazing that he's still getting it done, still breaking off these long runs. And it's just a testament to how good he was at his prime because he still, as you said, looks like a top 10 type of back, uh, and I'm with you. I don't think we really could have seen this coming. Uh, it's just there's guys like AP that time in and time out uh just break all convention. Moving on from uh, Adrian Peterson to a much younger running back, we're getting into players that are trending up Marlon Mack against buffalo in week seven puts up 32 fantasy points put up 29 against oakland uh with his yardage in those games being 126 and 132 has added extra yardage uh through the ground or excuse me through the air had a receiving touchdown against buffalo two rushing touchdowns uh yesterday he's looking pretty legit matt
3: yeah uh really impressed with him Wish I had been higher on him, uh, both like in dynasty leagues last year and, uh, entering the season this year. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say about him. Just he's, he's an injury ish concern like every week, like there were, there were doubts as to whether he would actually be able to play this week. Um, but when he's out there, he's impressive. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's probably big enough, uh, at, at 210 pounds to be able to serve as like a lead back and uh he was incredibly productive in college you know young guy coming into the league like there's a lot to like about him yeah you mix together
2: the receiving potential and the fact that he's been shouldering 19 25 type of carries uh it all paint a very good picture and if mac goes into next season healthy i think it's going to be interesting to see where people are slating him in in redraft and his dynasty stock has definitely uh risen tremendously Russell Wilson, I said we would talk about the Seahawks. His last three games, he's really turned things around from that slow performance we saw in the beginning of the season, has three touchdown passes and... All of his last three games from a fantasy point perspective, 2021 and 23. The offensive line has been improving. They looked good yesterday. He also put up a perfect passer rating against Detroit. Uh, so I bring Wilson up because I'm just curious to get your take on if you think that we're starting to see Seattle kind of turn things around and if you think that they're going to be more competitive, which naturally would be good for Wilson as we move into the back half of the season. And this wouldn't be something that we hadn't seen before. Wilson and the Seahawks, and the Seahawks' passing game getting stronger as the season moves along.
3: Yeah, Wilson always starts slowly. What is interesting, and I, I don't know what to make of this, is that um, we have this situation where he's playing very efficiently right now, and uh, you know he's had the most production that we've seen out of him in a while in the last three weeks. But he has only twenty point three, sorry, yeah, twenty point three passing attempts per game over that span. So he's seen almost no action and he's also not running the ball all that much, Um, which is kind of ironic considering that he's with Brian Schottenheimer, who's like the most run heavy offensive (laughs) coordinator, Um, but he's just not using his quarterback in that way. It's all going to running backs. So um, for Wilson to continue to play like this, he has to play like at an incredibly efficient level, which is just like it's very hard to assume that someone's going to continue to do that. But I am impressed. Um, not, it's actually, it's not really, I don't know, like in, in in the caveman type of way that like one team per year seems to, uh, to be able to like finagle its way into the playoffs. Like the Cowboys did two years ago being super run heavy and the Jags did last year being super run heavy. Uh, I think Seattle might be able to, to be that team this year. Um, and so I don't know what that means for Wilson. Like I think in DFS, he's someone who, uh, has a lot of potential in tournaments uh, because he always has the potential to get a lot of yards with his legs. Maybe they get in a shootout and he throws some more. Um, And just in terms of efficiency, right now he is playing at a very high level. But I think it is hard to depend on that as something that you can project forward
2: certainly going to be interesting to see how things shake out there. And as you said, the limited attempts, uh, one thing that I have seen when you look at correlations with quarterbacks and fantasy points is that compared to other positions, the opportunity isn't as paramount, but it is important because if you have the receivers in that offense, naturally, they're going to need the opportunity. And if Wilson's only throwing 20 times a game, that does not give his receivers a whole lot of opportunity to work with moving along dallas godert the rookie tight end for philadelphia i have my answer to this but i in my answer is if the question you pose is can he be useful every week? I would say no, but it is worth noting back-to-back touchdown games, uh, 14.3 points last week, 10.2 this week. But the key thing is he only saw one target yesterday, averaging 38 yards across those two games with the touchdowns in a season in which the tight ends I've heard described as garbage. Is he worth looking into?
3: Uh I, I don't think so. Um, maybe in a really good streaming opportunity, but, uh, I don't know, like tight end scoring is a lot of it is predicated on whether a guy gets a touchdown or not. And that's really hard to predict. So no, like, I don't, I mean, if Ertz is injured, I think Goddard becomes like a, I don't know, like top eight tight end almost immediately, maybe even top five. Um, but I mean, you can't (laughs) roster a, a backup tight end, um, under the, you know, possibility that the guy starting in front of him is going to get injured. Like you just can't use a roster spot on that.
2: Yeah, that is definitely not a uh, winning strategy. Uh, opposite side of the fence, three players on the decline. We talked about Adrian Peterson revitalizing his career in Washington under center, Alex Smith, who I was hoping could take some of what he put together in Kansas city, with him to uh, the capital, It has just not happened. He's not gone over 20 points once this season, only eight passing touchdowns in the last three games, just averaging 173 yards through the air. And he's gone under 15 points in more than half of his games. I'm not really sure if there's any uh, fantasy takeaways here. I just thought it was notable and the passing game has been a bit of a disappointment as well. They do have a favorable upcoming schedule, but I'm not sure that things can turn around even with the most favorable of schedules on the horizon.
3: Yeah, uh, a couple of things. One, if you look at the RotoViz Splits app and you look at his splits with Tyreek Hill and without Tyreek Hill, like over his career, it's, you know, like a very stark contrast. And then uh and, and there's no one who's Tyreek Hill-esque on his team. Yep. Uh and then right now, like there are 29 quarterbacks in the league who have at least one game with 300 yards passing. Uh, and Alex Smith is not one of those guys. There are like guys who are, uh, really not good NFL players who are on that list. Like Brock Osweiler is on that list. Alex Smith is not on that list. Like, I, he, I don't know. I mean, I would bet that he ends the season not on that list, but I mean, I, I don't know. He's, he's no one who should be in a starting lineup ever. Right. I think that it, 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 it actually to me is very disappointing.
2: Not in that I thought Smith would actually be able to translate what he was doing, but I thought at the very least he could be the type of guy who could give you a week here, give you a week there. But it's an interesting case study in how. A dot truly does belong to the receiver. You take away a guy like Tyree Kill from Smith's arsenal, and he just is not able to change his game or elevate it in the way that we saw last season. So it was certainly a disappointment, especially if you were a uh, Washington fan that were hoping to kind of, you know, get something injected into that uh, offense post Kirk Cousins. So Jordy Nelson, Amari Cooper gets traded to Dallas, which maybe we'll have time to talk about later, Matt. Still, he drew just four targets yesterday, only five points over the last two weeks. Flashed a little bit early on, but in this Raiders offense, which is just, I'm not even really sure what adjective to label it with. Uh, Jordy Nelson, any value the rest of the season or is he definitely droppable right now?
3: No, I think he has value. Um because he has had some flash games and uh I think you have to assume that he will get more than 4 targets per game moving forward. Um but uh yeah, I mean I think the main beneficiary of Amari Cooper leaving is Jared Cook, but I think Cooper still I mean, uh Nelson still has value. Uh
2: since we're there, any other players besides Cook? That you think can be the beneficiary of this Amari Cooper trade? Uh, obviously, you have Crabtree, who maybe you could make a case for. Maybe you could make a case for Jalen Rashard, who we talked about before. Anybody that can benefit from this, or is it you know, is it really Nelson the only option?
3: Uh, I would bet 100% that it is not Michael Crabtree. Oh wait, did I say Crabtree? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Mark Tavis Bryant, Tavis yeah. Bryant. Well, I think Bryant played only um I think 7 snaps yeah. last week. So like he's I mean, I wouldn't bet on him. Um Richard maybe, but I think Richard is more of a, a game script type of guy. Um yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's Cook and Nelson.
2: Okay, let me throw this one, a couple of things at you here though. If you take away week three, his high, Nelson's highest yardage in the game was 48 yards. Uh, if you, so in weeks three and week four, he saw eight targets in each of those games, but every other game has been four targets, four targets, four targets, three targets, four targets. I know Cooper's gone, but I have to go against Matt here. And I'm going to say I, I am highly, highly skeptical of Nelson throughout the rest of the season. Uh, unless you have anything else to add, we'll move along.
3: No, I mean, if you want, we could make a bet. On how many targets <laughs> per game he will average for the rest of the season from this point forward.
2: All right, let's do it. What do you? How do you want to frame what, what this?
3: What do you? What do you think is a fair over under? I'll. I take the over. You would take the under. I'll take um, the
2: under on five point seven targets.
3: Five. Oh, okay. Um. Okay. I'll. I'll take five point seven. Yeah. I'll. I'll take the over. Uh. You might end up winning that, but like, if a guy gets five point seven targets per game. Um, he's probably useful, like in a wide receiver three type of way.
2: Okay. All right. Well, so right now he's averaging five targets a game. So I'm giving him less than a, a less than a one target boost here in the absence of um of Cooper. So that's actually you know not even padding things for me really at all. Uh, I do take your point though. But the other thing I think is even if he raises up these targets three, I still think they're going to be garbage. Okay, that's fair um so this brings us to a player who we made a bet about earlier drew Brees. maybe he's <laughs> not completely on the decline but just 8.5 points against the giants 17 against baltimore 7 against minnesota granted in week 5 against washington he had 27 but those last four weeks he's averaging just 14.72 uh, his pace has slowed he's now on 624 uh, passing attempts which would give you the over however though Weeks one through three, he averaged 43 passing attempts per game since he's at just 29. If you extrapolate the pace from the more recent sample, he is not going to get to the 600, Matt.
3: So 600 was what we bet?
2: Yeah, we set the over-under okay. at 600.
3: Yeah, I still feel pretty pretty decent about that. Uh, I think one of the bigger questions would be, does he play in week 17? Cause like there's a scenario where maybe they're like locked into the number two seed and they don't, they don't play him. So I think that might be actually what would determine this more than, um, the, the three game sample. But I mean, I think, um, I, I I mean, he hasn't had more than, he hasn't had more than 30, um, that is not sustainable. You know what I mean? So right. like even even if he doesn't end up like getting forty per game, I think it will probably be closer to thirty-five. Like I think that's roughly where he averaged last year was around thirty-five uh attempts per game. Yep. So I, I still feel decent about like thirty-five attempts per game, maybe a little bit more than that.
2: Okay. I, I have another question. Uh and if this eats into our time on the other things, I think it's worth asking. So a player like Breeze, who has a tremendous start to the season and they start to fade off if by the end of the season he's just an average player do you think that for a guy like breeze this season could still be considered a success from a fantasy perspective or the guy that starts really hot and then levels out comes back to the norm is that enough to make it a disappointing season like how do you view that if you understand where i'm going with this
3: yeah um i still view it as uh It's interesting. I mean, I still view it as like a successful season because like in the end, I think it's, I think it's kind of hard to predict uh week to week, the type of production you're going to get. Um, and I think it's, it's even maybe like hard for quarterbacks to, um, to accrue or even any NFL player to accrue production in a consistent way. Um, but I think at the end of the season, if you have a guy who like over the entire sample, had good production and played every game and on a a per game basis still had uh, good production, then that's a successful season, even though if there are periods of time where he's not as inconsistent. And I think there might be like a narrative that you could put on top of the, like he started out hot and then he cooled off, especially like guys who are older, like Breeze or Brady or something like that. Uh, you know, and, and it is a game of attrition. So, uh, I can see how, how that comes into it. But I think like, If a guy started off a season not all that great and then he got better as the season went along, like you would put on top of that, like, oh, he got hot in the fantasy playoffs. So that was really good. Or it was like, oh, he got better as the season progressed as he, you know, like learned more of the offense, whatever it is. But like both of those things just might be random. Like, whether a guy starts off hot and cools off, or a guy isn't all that great and then gets hot as the season ends, like, both of those could be random.
2: Absolutely. I think you got to kind of the point that I wanted to make there, which is in cases like this you're going to want to spin some type of a narrative. uh. But we know from looking at things and if anybody out there is telling you that there is some type of consistency in that if they're using it in the frame that people talk about being consistent in fantasy football, it has to be predictive. Yes, you can back your way into something having been consistent. But as far as we've seen at Rotoviz, there's no way to conclude that somebody is consistent in any type of predictive manner. So with that behind us, I think you have to look at the player's production over the course of the season you really can't look at it as a player is hot and then cool down because lots of times if you're talking about a top level type of guy their cooling down is still much better than most players uh or looking at a player getting hot in the fantasy playoffs you you know like you said you can look at it the other way and you could say well that player hurt you in the beginning of the season so i think it's real dangerous to look at things like that and you have to look at the player's whole body of work throughout the season regardless of when it came that's something probably uh i'd like to dive into more during the off season uh but we have a couple of different things to tell you about tonight and uh as matt alluded to earlier with the fantasy props you still want to get in on that action we have been pounding away on this but both Matt and I uh do a lot of playing at my bookie. So whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. Uh you can bet a little, win a lot, get in on those big parlays. Pick 3 teams to win, you hit all 3, you could turn $100 into 600. There's a lot to bet on right now. Uh granted, the World Series is World Series is over. Red Sox bringing home that uh, World Championship, but there's still basketball ball getting into the swing of things hockey huge U- ufc fight this weekend uh cormie i actually don't follow ufc so i'm not sure if it's or <laughs> lewis matt do you follow ufc no i i don't okay but for, if i wanted to get into ufc betting on this fight would probably be a great way to get introduced to it uh and listen we know that you'll be happy with my bookie we recommend them because we use them and we trust them uh, and back by popular demand my bookie will offer a 100 bonus for one more week this year that's right if you've been thinking about placing a pick all season but you have not manned up yet it's time to make your move after sunday's kickoff you can kiss that bonus Goodbye. So make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter or Instagram. They'll personally respond to every mention and DM. Not to mention, they've been giving away nearly $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Log on to MyBookie right now. Uh, this is your last opportunity to collect the industry's biggest bonus. Use the promo code Rotoviz and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. Again, that's Rotoviz. Uh, and actually, I should also mention that uh Amiko and I a couple of times, and this is something I've been trying to work into the Rotoviz Live uh show every Sunday morning, we've been going through those fantasy betting props, uh, which as Matt has mentioned before, you can definitely find some ones that guys like us at Rotoviz uh feel pretty pretty good about too. So, you know, just another thing to keep in mind to get in on that action there. Uh Matt, you know, maybe uh, you know, we can even get your take every once in a while. Uh yeah, that would be possible. Excellent. Uh so yeah, keep that in mind, my bookie, your last chance to get that uh deposit. So I do want to mention, this is really cool, Matt. And this is something that I actually think is so cool that I wish I had thought about it. Uh, but we want to tell you about a brand new fantasy football startup company called FFBCast. They believe that every fantasy league is especially unique and deserves its own media coverage. What that means is that FFBCast provides services in creating custom podcast episodes for your fantasy league. You heard me right. That is your fantasy league. And it can now have its own podcast. Just go to ffbcast.com to order season-long podcasts or individual episodes. You can also support their mission by going to kickstarter.com and searching for fantasy football podcasts. They partnered with some of the best industry experts who made themselves available to do guest appearances on your podcast to talk about your league. This is really cool, Matt. So it's basically you sign your league up and they are doing a custom podcast Uh, that feels like A full on show covering the league, but it's your specific fantasy league. And I actually think it's such a cool idea. I actually am upset that I did not think about that. Uh, FFBcast is currently doing a special promotion for Twitter followers to get a free trial episode. So check them out at FFBcast on Twitter. You can also pre order for the 2019 season by going to FFBcast.com. That's FFBcast.com, your fantasy leagues media coverage company. And I just think that's the coolest thing so i really recommend that people at least go out to the site uh, check out what they have and really think about doing it because i think that that would just be such a fun thing to do in your league and again i think it's a tremendous tremendous idea
1: this episode is brought to you by decoy wines of sonoma california as you gather with family and friends this summer experience the best of wine country with decoy by duckhorn
2: We're going to go through top three units with favorable upcoming schedules. Uh, the Jets running backs. So calling back up, uh, Crowell. They have Miami who ranks 31 next week, then Buffalo 18, then they're on bye in the New England, uh, who is 22. So very favorable for them. Carolina's wide receivers, who we talked about, they have Tampa Bay who ranks 31 next week should be a lot of opportunity. Pitt 19, then Detroit 26. Baltimore tight ends. If you need some tight end production, they have Pitt who ranks 28, then they're on bye. then Cincinnati 27, Oakland 29 top three units with difficult upcoming schedules seattle's running backs face a gauntlet they have the chargers who rank eight the rams rank 11 green bay ranks who ranks seven carolina 17 san francisco 13 minnesota 15 then san francisco 13 Uh, so it could be tough sledding for chris carson and company um who else do we have the chargers wide receivers they face seattle rank seven oakland six denver five and arizona eleven uh so unfortunately uh that might slow down their receiving core then the san francisco wide receivers i've seen uh marquise goodwin available on waivers unfortunately they have oakland who's six giants three then they're on by then they do have tampa bay who's 31 but followed up by seattle denver seattle and then chicago seattle's rank seven denver fifth chicago 16 uh so though it might be enticing i think you might want to stay away from goodwin which brings us to everybody's favorite segment of the week that is friedman's number one waiver priority i've been waiting to make a drop for it but i have not found the time so i'm just going to kind of get uh, real excited for you there matt what do you have
3: uh wow it's uh almost as if i should have prepared for this segment uh okay i have a few players okay uh i normally don't talk about quarterbacks but ooh, ryan ooh. ryan fitzpatrick uh, I am sure is out there in almost every league, and and he's going to be the starter next week. Uh, I think it's possible he really could be the starter for a substantial uh, yeah. chunk of yeah. the time moving forward. Because I like, I think this is actually a question to throw to you. Like, do you think they've decided that they are done with Jameis Winston?
2: Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. I mean, because I think that performance. This weekend obviously it was bad, but if you go back to the other games that he's actually been in, you know, he's probably done enough or he's had enough good, I guess, to balance out the bad. And, you know, at this point it really feels like this is the uh, you know, straw that broke the camel's back. They're moving on.
3: Okay. So assuming that they believe they want no part of him moving forward, um, they can't start him in any future games because if he gets injured. His option for next year is guaranteed. So like they are, they are in a position where if they know they are done with him, they, they really have to commit not to using him, which means that I think like they are much more willing to ride the Fitzpatrick train, like for all of its ups and downs. Uh, which makes him, I think, really enticing as someone you could pick up who could win a lot of games moving forward for the rest of the season. So like, I think he's not just like a streamer type of guy. I think he's someone who has a lot of potential given the receiving weapons in that offense. So he's someone I'm, I'm interested in. I don't really see anyone at the running back position. Mm-hmm. Uh, at wide receiver, there are some players who are interesting, but, uh, David Moore might be the most interesting <laughs> out of them Um because like he's with a, a, an offense that is scoring. He does have a good quarterback. And uh I think he is sort of like the red zone guy on that team now. Yep. Uh, and then at tight end, I don't, I mean, I don't know how much I want to really buy into this, but um I mean, I'm looking at this, like there's one league where OJ Howard is still available, but that he's only available in like 17% that's of league. Insane. So that's just, yeah. that's, that's aberrant, but someone who is out there, Um in many more leagues is Jack Doyle. Uh I'm looking and in Yahoo leagues, it looks like he's owned in only twenty-six percent of leagues. Wow. Like he should be snapped up immediately. Absolutely. If he's if he's out there in your league. Because like he's he's a high volume guy in an offense that is uh really playing well. Yep.
2: Yeah, I had Doyle as my fifth. My fifth ranked and projected fifth highest scoring tight end heading into the season, and not a lot has changed and has changed, and that was factoring in Ebron. And I actually think that uh, you know Ebron doing well is perfectly fine. So I'm with you there. Uh, Any other names? If not, I have one I want to add to the list.
3: Yeah, maybe if you're really diving deep, a tight end, maybe Chris Herndon uh, with the Jets. Uh, he scored touchdowns in three straight games and like there's some flukiness there, but like he is getting targeted in the red zone and he is in an offense that right now is lacking a lot of wide receiver options Um, like their top two, like top three wide receivers are injured. So, um, he's basically playing as kind of like a slot receiver for them. So, I mean, there's, there's some potential there. He's a, he's a high upside guy. Who's a rookie, uh, like athletic guy kind of starting to come into his own. So even if it's like, this is sort of like a forward looking call of like, maybe he doesn't actually get it done this year, but like, I think at some point he becomes a pretty legit player.
2: Okay. Yeah, definitely something to keep in mind. The final name uh, I'm not sure what his percentage is, but I think it's possible he's out there. And that's Cortland Sutton. I think uh, given the possibility that there's a trade made with the other wide receivers and the fact that he actually has been one of those guys who's getting you somewhat uh reliable production week in and week out around nine fantasy points, that's not going to win you a matchup, but it can help you in a week where you need to sub him in so that you don't lose it. I think he's somebody you have to consider adding.
3: Yeah, I like that. He does have a lot of upside. Absolutely. Fantasy
2: games of the upcoming week. Awesome game. Rams Saints at 425 on Sunday. Should be an absolute feast of uh, points in that game. And then this one I am extremely excited about as I will be at it. That's Green Bay at New
3: England on Sunday night. Nice. The um, the Rams Saints game right now that has an over under of 60, which is really high. Uh, and amazingly right now at my bookie, the Rams are one point underdogs. Wow. You know, like, I don't yeah. know if we've ever seen an undefeated team this far into the season as an underdog. Um, so that's something to pay attention to. And then green Bay, new England, that line hasn't released yet. Cause green Bay is playing. I'm oh, sorry. New England is playing. playing on yeah. Monday night. Yeah. So it hasn't released yet, but, uh, I imagine that will also be a a pretty high, uh, game total.
2: Yeah, I I I expect that it will. And then obviously you have the added level of uh Brady Rogers. So that game should be excellent. Uh we do have a couple of minutes for the tough call. Uh if I spent a collective twenty five percent of fab on Mostert and Bibs in the last two weeks, uh can I drop them already? Should I? I think what this is kind of getting at is if you use a lot of fab on players, how should you view it when you realize that, you know, you might not uh the additions <laughs> might not manifest into right. any dividends.
3: Yeah. So um when you make a mistake, you shouldn't compound it with another mistake. Right. So uh, I think the mistake was probably spending... I mean, maybe it wasn't just depending on what your needs were and what was available on the waiver wire. But maybe you made a mistake in spending 25% of your budget on those two guys. Um, but they, I imagine given the average league out there that they are not the types of guys you want in your lineup moving forward. So yeah, I think you can probably cut them. I imagine there there must be better players on waivers out there.
2: Yeah, there might be. I, I can see how if you're in a like uh FF PC type of league where there's 22 man rosters. Yeah, uh, in some leagues that maybe you you know maybe you could have done this just because at this point in the season there's not going to be too many more guys that are popping up that you could go after. So I could see how that could have made sense. So I think like Matt said you know, maybe don't even worry too much about whether or not it was a mistake. It could have made sense. Worry about the process. And the process here is you now made uh, a decision. You have more data. You just need to move and look forward. So if there's other options, certainly don't feel that you're locked into them. That's the sunk cost fallacy, which we've talked about before and move on. If there isn't anything else out there, I wouldn't drop them just because. uh, But, you know, if there is like a paid in barber or somebody like that, that becomes available, uh then move on definitely don't get too locked into how much fab you spent now having said that let's say you spend 25 percent on somebody that's been absolutely killing it and has been seeing a lot of usage and they don't work the first week then you probably don't want to pivot at this point in the season i can't think of a good example but that is more or less how i would approach that um the bonus round we talked about Fitzmagic coming back into the fold in Tampa Bay, which has got to be one of the funnest storylines we've had in a long time. The Browns' coaching change—it's been a long time coming. Um, any thoughts from you on this, Matt?
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even yeah, know what I, you can say, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. I mean, uh, hats off to to Hugh for holding that job as long as he did. Um, I think they should have fired him. Uh, I mean, I'd say the middle of last season, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, wh- this is something that like, if you had bet, uh, on, on my bookie on, uh, first coach <laughs> to be fired, like, Hugh was the favorite, you know, so like, this isn't like a surprise. Like, this is what the market would predict. So yeah, I mean, this was long overdue. I think it is kind of surprising that they fired Todd Haley. Yeah. Um, I don't really have like much of a problem with it. Um, I think. Greg Williams as the interim head coach is kind of surprising, but I mean, whatever, Not nothing that happens with the Browns is really all that surprising in the big picture. Like they could do anything and it would not surprise me. Like if Dorsey named himself the head coach, <laughs> that would not surprise me. You know, like whatever happens, it's not surprising.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely true. So hopefully, I've just been hoping that they can kind of turn things around, at least get back to a, uh, Mediocrity that
3: brings a better level
2: of success.
3: I mean, uh, one, one thing that is interesting is they did elevate the running back coach to the uh, interim offensive coordinator. Yep. So I, I don't exactly know what that means. Um, he is like a kind of like a Bruce Arians disciple. Um, you know, and Ari- Arians is more of like a throw the ball down the field type of yeah. guy. Um, but I don't know, like that doesn't, like I think running back coach and I don't think that that is the type of guy who is going to just throw the ball all over the place. So like I will be curious to see what it means for uh changing in play calling.
2: Yep. Um you don't even need to give any explanation. You can just say the name of the team as we're drawing short on time here. Demarius Thomas, if he does get traded, what's the team that you want to see him land with? Waivers. Oh, killed it. All right. And on that note, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at Matt F. The Oracle. Don't forget to call in to 978-925-7628 and give us your tough calls of the week. Although clearly, uh, you people out there prefer doing the emails, which is fine. Uh, this has been RotoViz Radio. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. And be sure to tune in next week. And remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Thank you for listening to roto Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at roto at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at roto Radio and support the pod by subscribing to roto at a 30% discount through the listener homepage at roto forward slash podcast. Yeah.